Somebody say with me, the Lord is faithful. That's what we're going to talk about today. The Lord is faithful. The Lord uh, ministered this idea to me about picking, it kind of was funny when he, he kind of, you know, sometimes the Lord just has a sense of humor. And there was this idea that he says, talk about my attributes because the people really need me right now. <laughs> and when you're going through upheaval and all kinds of changes and things, uh, we find out that the, we do need the Lord. And great comfort comes to our hearts when we contemplate the faithfulness of God. And God is completely faithful in every way. I, I was, uh, how many of you ever heard of Mario Murillo? He's an evangelist. Uh, Heather and I were introduced to him when we were attending the church on the way, and Pastor Jack would bring in Mario. And I would go, sometimes go over to Pasadena and hear him preach. And he was talking about, he, he had this funny thing he said. He says, there's a, a difference between a good friend and a best friend. He says, a good friend will bail you out of jail, but a best friend will end up in jail with you. <laughs> He didn't say, wasn't that fun? <laughs> and so Jesus went into the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as the best friend, right? But he also bailed him out like a good friend. Say, Jesus is faithful. Say it, Jesus is faithful. When Paul and Silas were thrown in jail for casting that demon out of the slave girl, they decided to worship the Lord. And after they worshiped him because they were whipped and incarcerated, the Lord was with them in their suffering as their best friend. And of course, he opened the prison, sent the earthquake, shook the place up, the shackles fell off. Everybody say, Jesus is faithful. So the Bible, this word in the Bible for faithful is this. Bible word faithful means certain, worthy to be believed, just or true, just, trustworthy, observant of, and steadfast to one's uh, trust, word, or promises. Uh, in a practical way, next slide, faithful as a practical word of that day refers to a person who shows himself faithful in a transaction of business, the execution of commands, or the discharge of official duties. So I want to start with um, a few verses out of Hebrews 3. Uh, the first slide says this. It says, therefore, read this with me. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our, our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. Now, we're going to look at this. Con first of all, we're talking about the Lord is faithful. But we're also going to look at this idea of how Moses developed in his faithfulness. The next slide says, Hebrews uh, continues, For Jesus had been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more glory than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now he summarizes it here. Hebrews, the next slide, Hebrews 3, 5 through 6 says this. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant. In all God's house as a servant. Look at this next line. We'll get to this in the line later. But to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. To testify to the things that were to be spoken later. So Moses was faithful in God's house as a servant. But really, why he was there was to testify of things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over 
God's house as a son. And we are his house. Just tell somebody next to you, you're his house. You're his house. This is amazing. And if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. So Moses was faithful in God's house as a servant. Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. Jesus is counted of more uh, worthy of more glory than Moses because the person who builds the house is more gives receives more honor than a person that um, than the house itself. And that these things are to be testified of what comes later. What Moses did was all about what would show up later. And then, so Moses is kind of like a, a case study of someone who started off with no understanding of how faithful God really was. Is that you? When you started off with the Lord, did you know how faithful He was? Were you scared as all get out? Moses had uh, f- basically failed in his whole perception of uh, when, you know, the burning bush thing experience showed up. And... Um, so he has this, you know, he's told to take off his shoes. He's on holy ground. What happens is Moses, uh, first of all, like many people, you get this idea that, okay, God calls you. You feel like, then you run off and you try to do it on your own strength. Instead of letting God lead you, because you don't know anything about that. So you run off to do it yourself. When Moses sees an Egyptian beating another um, Hebrew, and uh, he gets, he, he wants to deliver the Hebrew from the Egyptian. He kills him. Well, Pharaoh finds out later. So now Moses got to skedaddle off into the desert. So he's gone. And he's out there and uh, he ends up meeting a fellow named Jethro and marrying his wife, Sephora. <clears throat> but he ends up before this burning bush. And um, this is amazing because this is what happens now. He's already defeated in the idea that he would ever be used of God. Ever. Okay? And he tried it all on his own, and it didn't work. There are people that you probably know of that started off that way and have given up and don't even have a clue. And God could even show up to them, and they got all these excuses. Are you ready? How many of you, the Lord's shown up to you, and the string of excuses come out? Hello? You're not certain of God's faithfulness at this point. So God says to Moses, basically, you know, I want to send you, you know, and this is the first question Moses has of God is this. Well, who am I that you would do this? Right? Is that how you feel? When God started to call you into his family and wanted you to do something, when in the true, the very first kind of stuff that comes up is, I, who am I that I would end up getting involved in this, right? And the Lord's, what was the Lord's answer? I will be with you. Say that with me. I will be with you. Then, then, the, then the, now he's now he's goes to the next one. He goes, well, who shall I say sent me? Because now he's going to be sending him. In. And he says, well, I am who I am. So now God has to tell him that. Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he sent you. So he's got another one. It says, not only who am I, but like, who are you? How are we going to, you know, because you don't know him yet. So he goes off on that one. And then here's the next one. And you, 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 when you step out there, you go, well, well, who's, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? 
I mean, Moses was so full of not having any idea of the faithfulness of God that he questioned every single thing. Is there anybody on the same page? And then so, uh, basically, Moses gives, uh, God gives Moses a sign, and he throws his staff down on the ground. It turns into this snake, and, and uh, then back into the staff, and the, the whole leprosy hand, the hand trick. You got leprosy, not, you know. He does this stuff, and he says, I'm going to give you signs to prove that, um, that, that, so they'll believe. And then Moses says, well, I'm not very good. With, he just goes, excuse after excuse. He's got the fourth one. I'm not good speaking. I'm no good at this. I can't do this. What if I get tongue-tied? So God says, well, I'll tell you what. Who makes the person's mouth? You know, God's now, he's getting down. Who controls everything that they can and can't do? And Moses says, I mean, literally, he says, send somebody else. And uh, he gets a bit miffed. Could you imagine just, he's got, there, got Moses, and now I'm asking him, he just keeps line after line after line. Well, I don't want to go send somebody else. Finally, God says, oh, look, Aaron will go with you, and I'll give him some words to say. So finally, uh, Moses does it. I love the, the line in there. It says, well, well, how will they know I sent you? It says, when you get back. <laughs> when the people are delivered, you'll know I was with you. God just lays the faith out there, doesn't he? How many of you have been called to do something, and you were scared, but you did it trusting the Lord, and then he starts showing up? Isn't it amazing? Is it amazing? He shows up and he's like, whoa. So Moses went where God sent him and he grew to understand God's faithfulness. It wasn't a first deal thing. It was a, but he, he look at this. He, he, part, he, he lifted up that staff and the Red Sea parted. He uh, spoke, he struck the rock and water co comes out of the rock. He, uh, God sends manna. And the people are eating. He sends quail. People eat that. God, he goes up on the mountain. God gives him the Ten Commandments and the law. And Moses, there are many, many things. God instructs Moses to build a tabernacle. Gives him his incredible information. And he gets these builders to do it. Now, this is a... Now, we're going to shift gears just in a moment here. But I want you to lift your head again. And let me just pray and this go in. Okay? Father God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the great comfort that knowing and understanding your faithfulness gives us. And I pray, Lord, that uh, you would open each heart here and find a way in, just like water flowing down. Find a way in to each heart this morning and help us receive what you want to whisper into each person's spirit in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let's look at a few verses together that expand the Bible's grasp of how God's faithful toward each of us. Notice, I'm going to run through a few scriptures. Just look up at the uh, overhead here. This is 1 Corinthians 1.9. This one I would like you to read with me. Everybody say it. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So it starts off declaring God is faithful. I'm going to look at this next one. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. How many of you need that? Just that answered prayer. He'll keep you. All right. 
He who calls you, everybody say it, is faithful. He who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. I like this one. Second, probably all everybody in here needs this next one. Second Thessalonians three three. Read it with me. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Can I have an amen? Amen. And uh, regarding the evil one, I'll read this one. First Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation is overtaking you that is common, the not common to man. But what? God is faithful, and He will let you. He uh, will not. I get. Tell you what, my um, I'm missing some. Uh, there we go. Oh, I see what happened. Sometimes when I open up my, not all the words show up. There you go. God is will not let you be tempted beyond what your beyond your ability, but with the temptation, He will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. I um, actually had an experience where I had been given a deliverance from many different things that were horrible. I was living in the Los Angeles area. And um, go, go back to, let's see, go back two more. Go back two more scriptures. And this whole idea about sanctify you completely, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. There's a prayer we learned and the prayer was this. It was like, body, line up. Submit to my soul. Then, we, then you speak to the soul. Soul, shut up. Why is your souls, your mind, will, and emotions, and it could get, become a chatterbox of fear and information. Soul, be quiet. Submit to my spirit. Then you speak to the spirit. Spirit, quit wimping out. Be strong. Rise up. And submit to no other spirit but the spirit of the living God. So basically, it's body, soul, spirit. Line up. Because you're made to walk in the spirit. God's faithful. He'll do it. But you walk in the spirit. Body, soul, spirit. Line up. right? And I've told this before. But I, was, I had been delivered from some things. And there was this, uh, I was at a, a stoplight. And I was, uh, the, the, uh, the things that uh, had, had been delivered from, they seem like they all came back for a visit. Have you ever had that? Where the things you got freed from all showed up, and it was literally a moment where I was being tempted. And the temptation was basically turn left or turn right at the stoplight. And I had a moment, and the light was going to turn green any moment. And I felt the pressure mount up like I was going to cave. And if I turned left, that was where sinning, would uh, the door would be open to sinning. If I turned right, that was back toward the church. Is anybody relating to the idea here? And I was literally sitting at the stoplight and feebly, feebly, very feebly, almost wimpily, I said, Body, light up. Under my soul, soul, shut up. Quit taking over. Submit to my spirit. Spirit, quit wimping out. Be strong and submit to no other spirit. 
But the Spirit of the living God, in the moment I finished the prayer, peace, poof, fell, boom, and I turned right. I realized, wait a minute, you can walk in the Spirit. And, and God, see, what happened is God made a way of escape. He says, I'll make a way of escape for you. I'm faithful in the ability to, I'm faithful to you. Just somebody say, God's faithful. And he will make a way when you're tempted to escape it. And uh, there are many, many times in your fumbling forward, my fumbling forward, that we need this next verse, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, everybody say, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And sometimes when you're doing really, really good, you have this other need for this scripture, 1 Peter 4.19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. How many of you have been doing something good and bad comes up against you? That's going on in our nation right now, right? That's where we entrust ourselves to Him. You can be bombarded in your mind by doing, for doing the right things, thinking the right thoughts, and Hell wants to show up and uh, confront you. So the Lord says, I want you to entrust your souls to me. I remember when we were putting our trust in a, a person uh, in this place to work on the place, and it turned out to be a shyster. And uh, the Lord basically, as I kept praying and we kept praying, we realized we have to make a decision here. And we did, and I placed my soul. I would pray for this person all the time. I won't say all the things the Lord spoke to me, but the Lord spoke to me with His presence and coming and he says I'm going to weigh in on this I'm going to deal with this and the Lord did it and he pulled us all together and we made a new direction and uh, I put my trust in the Lord for the decisions that would lead us how many of you have had moments where you're just not sure what's going on you really take time and weigh in the Lord and then next thing you know you get a better idea of what to do waiting upon the Lord is really a good idea because he's so faithful if you don't run off under the pressures and act in the flesh. How many of you have been tempted to do that? How many, all of us have shot ourselves in the foot by acting in the flesh, haven't we? Just go ahead and say, God's faithful. Come on, God's faithful. Yell it over to somebody else. God's faithful. Hey, get it together. God's faithful. Trust in Him. Let us all go ahead. 1023, Hebrews 1023. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Sometimes you, you, you got something going there and then hell says, what are you doing? How many of you, just la even before, um, well, I sat and I told you guys in the introduction of the message last week, I sat down just to have my devotional time and suddenly uh, all this information, the Lord said, the blood, of the, the blood of Jesus Christ has changed your standing before, who, before me. And he started putting this in, and I started praying. You know what? I got this um, ear. My, suddenly, my ears all clogged up. And it was a physical symptom, and I said, I started praying the blood. I said, I, I place the blood of Jesus against this symptom. I place the blood of Jesus against this symptom. I reject the symptoms by the power of the blood. And I woke up the next morning. It was all gone. 
I have had different things. I just placed the blood of Jesus against this symptom. So he was teaching me. I have done, how many of you were got to hear that? And by the way, the website's not working right. It's going to get worked on. But we'll be able to load that up. But we want everybody to hear the blood message. Okay? We'll get there soon. 2 Timothy 2.13. I love this one. This one. Oh, you probably Everybody in the room will be comforted. All right? If we are faithless, aren't you glad? He remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And uh, this last verse on his faithfulness, I like a lot because he's going to come down and straighten everything out. Revelation 19.11, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called what? Faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. So he's going to straighten it all out. He's going to come, and every unfaithful, everything is going to be straight. Just say, thank you, Lord, you're faithful. You're going to straighten this world out. How many of you just go ahead and pursue him? Has God been faithful to you? Think about that for a minute. All right. Can you recount in your own life the testimonies of God's faithfulness to you? Yes, you can. You go to the doctor every two months and you're cancer free. Thank you, Jesus. And you come in and you tell me you know, every Sunday. You say, it's amazing what Jesus has done. Hallelujah. Can you, do you have a testimony of the Lord's faithfulness in your life? Was there a time when you were in great need and he came through for you? Anybody? I mean, really great need. So we could come up here and have some real... How many, look, Isaiah 43, 2 says it this way. When you pass through the waters, how many of you pass through the waters? So I will be with you, and through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. And when you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. This is the kind of thing that the Lord promises to us, and probably everybody in here has been overwhelmed and the Lord has been faithful to you. Everybody in here has been close to some kind of a situation. Well, it's very, very important to, um, even if you've gone through an extended time of suffering. How many of you have gone through an extended time of some kind of suffering? And you can still say, I came out the other side, and I have a testimony of the faithfulness of God walking me through to the other side. It's not always a band-aid quick fix. It's sometimes it's a hard. Bible says in Psalm 40 verse 2, He drew me up out of the pit of destruction. How many of you know getting you out of the pit of destruction takes a little time? Out of the miry bog, and He set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. How many of you end up walking around with a bunch on you for a while? And you had to get out of that. You know, sometimes when you're in the miry bog, you get an appetite for miry bog stuff. Have you ever had an appetite for stuff that's just wrong? And God says, I'm going to wean you off of what, what you were consuming. Well, it says, listen, it's, when, when, it's, when the Lord does a big deal, one of the things that we need to do, and this is kind of why I'm throwing this out here today, and we're going to get back to Moses in a minute. But one of the reasons I'm bringing this out here is it is wise to think upon what he's done for you. Because when the press 
of the adversary comes in. There's this panic feeling. And he makes you want to feel like you're all alone. But it's very wise to recount what the Lord has done. Psalm 9 verse 1 says it this way. Read this with me. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. And this is the way that you and I grow in the revelation of God's faithfulness. It's when you start and sit and think about when he was faithful and sow that seed of remembrance into your heart. So now, and this is going to be quick here, but Moses, I want to go back to that second part, that that last part where Moses, it says he was faithful in God's house. Hebrews 3, 5 through 6. Moses didn't learn it right off. He's like me and you. He had to go through trusting in God and learning the faithfulness of God. But he did. And God put together a lot of things and Moses, as a servant, trusted in the Lord. And that he was faithful in every... He's a picture for us. Moses was a servant who was faithful in everything that the Lord gave him. Because God kept proving Himself just like He does to you. Aren't you aware that God proves His faithfulness to you? He proves His faithfulness to you. The Lord is speaking to somebody right now. He wants you to lock on to your heart that God is faithful and He's proven Himself to you. Not everybody in the room feels like this is like that wonderful cheeseburger. But somebody's eating this thing real good and it's going in solid. And you're thinking, I need to hear this. Is that right? Somebody here. So the Lord says through the word here, Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant. Again, to testify the things that were spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting. And I'm going to kind of cozy up to the ending here. So everybody lean forward. The next slide says this. Again, I want to repeat this. To testify to the things that were to be spoken later. All of the Old Testament, every page of it, somehow points to Jesus. In Exodus 25, God was giving instructions to Moses. He was giving a picture that he would somehow, one day, he planned that you and I would dwell with him. So he gave him this explicit, just very detailed directions of how to build a tabernacle. In Exodus 26, 31-32, look on the slide, it says this, I want to point at one specific thing in the tabernacle. And you shall make a veil. Everybody say veil. You shall make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. And it shall be made with cherubim skillfully worked into it. 
Now this is, let me just go ahead and tell you, I was told, I read that this thing was 60 foot tall and four inches thick. This is a whopping piece of fabric. This is the veil. This is only 35 feet tall. Come on, guys. This is a big veil. Okay? And it shall have this. this so there's cherubim. It's this ornate, beautiful, uh, with all these blue and purple and scarlet yarns, finely twined linen. It shall be made with cherubim skillfully worked into it. And you shall hang it on four pillars of acacia overlaid with gold, with hooks of gold, on four bases of silver. So you have this massive, massive veil. Exodus 26, 33-24, the next slide says, And you shall hang the veil from the clasps, and bring the ark of the testimony in there within the veil. Now, the Ark of the Testimony is what Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones was looking for. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant. And inside the Ark of the Covenant was the budding rod of Aaron, the Ten Commandments, and some manna. And it was inside there. And it was overlaid with gold. And no, when they opened it up, it didn't have spooks come out of it. No, that didn't happen. And it's not hidden in some government building. So, you know, but they were going to have this. So notice this, it says, and the veil shall separate for you the holy place from the most holy place. Everybody say holy place. Most holy place. Now, I said last week that God is so holy, he had to die for you. But he is so loving He's glad to die for you. And then the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, you understood the holiness of God. Because he had this veil, this massive veil. And it separated the holy place from the most holy place. And only one time a year, once a year, where there was a high priest permitted to go in. And in the holy place, you had the showbread and the, the lights, uh, the candelabra, there, I mean the um, menorah there. You had the things that represented in every single detail. Even out the outer place with the, the, the brazen, the bowl. Every single detail represented Jesus Christ. Every single detail inside and outside of the tabernacle represents Jesus Christ. And they call this as you shall put the mercy seat on the Ark of the Testimony in the holy place. So this, here's what happened. So once a year, the high priest came in and he sprinkled the blood. And he, by the way, they had bells on their legs or on their tied to their feet. So if the priest did something wrong, the bells would could you would hear and they had a he had a rope and if something went wrong and he did something wrong, they would just pull him out. Everybody say God's holy. 
Holy place, most holy place. How many of you know God's loving, but it's not represented right here, except the shedding of blood. Because the shedding of blood is symbolic that all these things were testifying of what was going to be spoken of later. Everything in the, in the tabernacle was going to be pointing to Jesus and going to testify what Jesus would do later. Right? Now, she shall put the mercy seat on the Ark of the Testimony. And there's this moment, uh, the next slide says, uh, uh, Leviticus 16.2, And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come in, not to come at any time in the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat that is on the ark, as that he may die, for I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. At this one time a year, you had God himself appear in a cloud in the Holy of Holies. You could probably see the impact of this above the tabernacle outside. But he was going to show up once a year should have show up. Now we go to Matthew twenty seven, fifty through fifty one. And Jesus is on the cross. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. When you look at uh, the seven different things that Jesus says on the cross, the last two things, he's given some sponge because he can't breathe anymore because the, all the moisture has left his body because all the blood's run out and all the water's come out. He can't even talk. So they put a sponge up there and he says a couple of things. First, first he whispers, I thirst, I thirst. They give it to him and he says, it is finished. He yells that out. And then he says, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And he, let's go. And behold, Healed up his spirit. Look at this with me. What happens at the same time? Jesus is on the cross, and he says with a loud voice, he yielded up his spirit. And behold, 60 foot tall, four inches thick. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. All the way down. And the earth shook, and the rocks were split. Hebrews 10:19 Therefore brothers since we have confidence everybody say confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus by the new and living way that he has opened for us come on now through the curtain that is his flesh it wasn't the curtain that was ripped open. The curtain was a symbol that through Jesus being ripped open, that the love of God being opened to us and His blood being shed for us, now we can come into the love of the Holy God who gave Himself for us. That curtain that is His flesh. There's a greater honor because he's built the house. 
And now who's the temple? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple. All this is pointing to, I'm going to rip open what holds me from you by pouring out my blood and the tearing up of my flesh. My curtain, the curtain is me. And I'm going to open it up. And we enter through Jesus into the presence of a holy God, into the presence of the Father. That curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great, next slide, and since we have the great high priest over the house of God, let us, everybody say, let us draw near. Come on, let us draw near with full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And I'm here to say to you that because Jesus let his body be ripped open, that now anything that comes to rip open your life, that same glory comes back this way. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Let's just lift your hands. Just lift your heads. Praise you, Lord. Just stand before Him for a moment. I just want to declare His faithfulness over your life. The reason that He's so faithful is He's given so much to be faithful. It says Jesus is faithful over the whole house. And he says, you are my house because now my glory has come to rest in you. The atonement has washed your conscience clean. The blood of the lamb has come to give you a brand new start. He's come to say, I am going to work in your life. I just felt prompted by the Lord just now. I'm here. I have a, a I guess a Holy Spirit argument for anybody who's doubting the Lord wants you to know that it doesn't matter what you've done wrong he doesn't hold in his mind that what you've done is too much it's impossible for the human soul to have gone too far Jesus went further Jesus went further for you he gave his whole life to rip open before us entrance into the presence of a holy, loving Father. Let's praise him right now. Let's praise him right now. Let's praise the Lord right now. Let's praise the Lord right now. Praise the Lord. Let him impart into your heart that you are so valuable. You see, the holiness of God shows us that our sins need to be paid for. That they're, they're horrendous. But the love of God, so, if, so we, we realize we need to hate sin. The holiness of God promotes in us a hatred for sin as we learn God's faithfulness. 
But the love of God works something else. And this is what the love of God does. The love of God forbids you to hate yourself. The love of God comes and forbids you to hate yourself because you're such value to the Lord. Your value to Him is His whole life was given for yours. And His blood was shed. And as that curtain was ripped open, how big was the rip? I want to go ahead and tell you, it's big enough for you to get through. The rip was big enough for each of us to go through and get into the presence of the one who loves us the most. Now I want to declare in the spirit of repentance, the spirit of repentance before the Lord, just say this with me, Father, forgive me. Father, forgive me. For anything and everything. For anything and everything. That I have done. That I have done. That holds me back. Holds me back. From relationship with you. From relationship with you. Because you have died in my place. Because you died in my place. And made a way in. And made a way in. I receive. I receive. The shedding of blood. The shedding of blood. Sprinkled upon my life. Sprinkled upon my life. Giving me a pure conscience. Because you paid for it. I receive your love now. I receive you now. And I receive access into your loving presence. Amen? Come on, honey. You know, some of us may have not even... can relate to, you know, I haven't done anything that wrong, Lord. You know what I mean? I didn't kill anybody or thought about it, but didn't really do it yeah. but what about just take a moment and, and say Lord where have I let the things of this world all the confusion all the rhetoric all the stuff bring death or a portion of death to my relationship with you you know, you can be a believer and be um, a fair-weather friend and not a deep, deep, committed friend. And I don't know about you, but I've been walking with the Lord a long time, and, you know, life just after a while gets to wear on you, and you might even wonder if he's even there, if he even cares. So if that's you today, because I know that's me, there's been things that have happened in our life the last year or so, and you know what they are in your life, where you, you just wonder if, if he's really there for you. If that didn't settle it for you, that he was ripped open for you, then may I ask you to just reconsider what a great sacrifice he did for us. And would you just say, Lord, will you revive my heart again? Will you make it more alive like it was once before? Will you make, I don't want it to be old, or I don't want our relationship to be a fair weather one. I want it to be deep and rich and revived and full of life like when I first met you because I believe you paid such an incredible price 
that I could have life and have it more abundantly. So I ask you, revive my heart today. If that's you, would you make that some kind of prayer from your own lips to the God, just for a minute here? be just something like, Lord, revive my heart, connect me tight with you again, like we were in the beginning. In the power of Jesus, almighty name, amen, amen. We've got a few people will be down front. We're going to dismiss. And then uh, if you want further follow-up prayer, we're here for that. Just say it with me again. The Lord is faithful. Amen.